Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Tyler Tischlar with Superior Book Promotions in Marquette, Michigan, filling in for Irene Watson from Reader Views. And I'm Alan Smith of UnbreakYourHealth.com, filling in this evening for Victor Volkman of Loving Healing Press. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to episode number 122 in the series. Tonight's topic will be Think Like a Black Belt, promoting your book by being a media personality with special guest Jim Bouchard. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Tonight we are joined by author, marketing guru, and inspirational speaker Jim Bouchard. Martial arts transformed Jim's self-perception of that of a drug user, college dropout, and failure to success as a black belt and a professional martial artist. Today, Jim tours nationally to teach his black belt mindset philosophy. His second book, Think Like a Black Belt, was released in May 2010. Jim Bouchard has spoken to numerous companies and organizations, including the CEO Club of Boston, the University of New England, the Association of Consulting Expertise, and the Boy Scouts of America, to name just a few. He appears regularly on radio, TV, and in person, sharing his message of excellence, discipline, focus, and opportunity. Welcome, Jim. I'm glad to have you here tonight. Oh, thanks a lot. And I'm not filling in for anybody. (laughs) It's just me. (laughs) You're our uh, black belt media personality, so will you you tell us, um, first of all, just exactly what do you mean when you say that we need to think like a black belt? You know, I always like to turn that question right around, and, and I'd like to ask you, gentlemen, what what words come to mind when you think about, you know, think about the black belt symbol, or you see a black belt on somebody? I think of a lot of dedication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I was wondering, actually, in, in terms of marketing a book. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess I think of you like, do you like karate chop the competition pieces, <laughs> or? I haven't tried that one yet. Maybe maybe we should do that. Yeah. No, it's interesting. You know, you, there's there's a lot of iconic. Everyone has a, a perception of what a black belt means, and that's really critical to the marketing. And to you know, to give you to give you an idea, I mean, we, we make mistakes along the way, and hopefully, we learn from those mistakes. And that's certainly part of what we're talking about with black belt mindset. Uh, my first book was called Dynamic Components of Personal Power, and about probably halfway through this program, I'm going to ask you what the name of my first book was, and, and I'm, I doubt you'll remember unless you wrote it down <laughs> when we. We started to put together the second project. We had a marketing meeting, and I think it's critical to not only identify, you know, the, the market for your for your message or for your readership, but also to be able to brand it, to be able to give, uh, you know, give a, a meaningful identifier to it. So in the meeting, uh, my wife and business partner Alex, uh, in frustration, really just just spouted out. She said, "Why don't you just tell people that you you tell them how to think like a black belt?" She said, "Really, that's what you do." And all of a sudden, everyone looked around, and, and the name kind of stuck. So then we we tested a little bit to see how people would respond to it. And what we found was that when we said those words, if I meet somebody and, and I ask them the same question I just asked you, you know, what, what do you think it means when I say think like a black belt? People come up with, with various words. Discipline, excellence, motivation, dedication, perseverance, courage, wisdom, compassion, all these different things. And that starts the conversation. 
if you can find something like that, then, then you've really got the ball rolling as far as, as marketing goes. Because once you can engage that question in someone else's mind, right, then you can start the conversation. And hopefully you've got a meaningful answer for them because that's really what successful marketing is about, right? You raise a question or a problem or, or you know some situation people are dealing with, and then you have a solution for it. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense to me. Um, I, I had a job at one point where I would edit some copy for another a, a company, and they had this story that they were going to run that was related to uh, using ninja strategies in your mm-hmm. business. Right. And they decided not to run that because they thought it was unprofessional. So I'm wondering if... You know, like the black belt, that's a that's a very positive image, or it's more positive than a ninja, than a ninja image. <laughs> Do you feel it's a professional a professional way to to market? Yeah, you know, I don't have a problem with the ninja sort of story as either. But I didn't either. I, I thought it actually yeah. got attention. It, it's catchy, right? And, and yes. you know, that's that's part of what we're trying to do with marketing, obviously. Uh, and there's a lot of that around. I mean, uh, I, I think sometimes in the in the business genre, maybe it's a little bit saturated, where you know there's a lot of of cute titles like "Who Moved the Cheese" and "Which Penguins Melt the Ice" and all that. And you know, those are those are great. You know, they are they're catchy they're catchy titles, uh, and they can draw our attention to something. And then then again, you have to deliver. I like that ninja thing, by the way. I think that's really clever. But no, the black belt uh, symbolism seems to be working very, very positively. In fact, it's been co-opted by a lot of different uh, organizations and whatnot. I got called for an interview uh, about a month ago. Somebody was doing a radio show emphasizing the lean marketing uh, that Six Sigma is all about. And when they called me to do the interview, they said you know, they asked if I were, uh, in fact, a Six Sigma black belt. And I responded back, I said, no, actually, I'm a real black belt. <laughs> so <laughs> it was kind of interesting. And I actually did end up doing the show, and, you know, the message resonated with them. That's why they borrowed that symbolism, right? Because all those words we just talked about, discipline, focus, self-motivation, all these things, uh, that's that's what they wanted to represent when they used that ranking system uh, for Six Sigma. Jim, I know discipline and focus and perseverance are keys to the martial arts, are they also important to having a black belt mindset and hopefully to helping us sell more books? You know, I, I, I do believe that with all my heart. It's uh, th- these these characteristics that I talk about in black belt mindset. They're they're iconic. They're, they're, I didn't make them up. They're universal. You see, and every time I study somebody who's successful, whether they're trying to market and sell books, or whether they're successful in business or community life, uh, political leaders. And, you know, a lot of the folks that I network with that I admire, they have these basic characteristics. So, what, you know, I think a lot of times what we're doing when we, when we craft a book and then get, go out and try to market it, uh, many times we're talking about or we're rehashing a universal theme or, uh, you know, some sort of set of characteristics like that when we're talking about the self-help and business genre. But each generation needs a new voice. Maybe even sometimes year by year we need a new voice. And if you can find a little bit different way to, to talk about these things, uh, it will resonate with certain people. And that's something that I, I came to learn and had some great mentors helping me with this, uh, particularly my friend Larry Wingett, who said, he kept saying, preach to the choir. Don't try to bend yourself to, to meet the needs of people who may not buy into what you're saying. He said, find the people uh, who resonate with your voice and your message. 
And so certainly when you know when I go out and I'm I'm talking about the think like a black belt, if if somebody's off put by that, like you know maybe that's what we we're talking about with the ninja thing. If someone's off put by it, well then I'm not going to be able to market to that group anyway. But if they do understand that symbolism to a degree or it's meaningful in their life, and they see the application across the platforms, well then my experiences in my life become a story, a template if you will, so that I can share these characteristics and hopefully. Uh, find some point of contact so they can apply it in their life as well. Speaking of characteristics, Jim, I know in martial arts uh, this is a key factor, so I guess I'll assume that it extends into the black belt mindset. Do we have to accept personal responsibility in order to develop into a black belt level? Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. Uh, plus the fact that, you know, you, you first of all, you have to accept personal responsibility for your own success. The book business is a very difficult business. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys would agree with that. Amen. Uh, many, many books are published every year, right? Especially self-published books. Uh, more books are brought to the marketplace than are ever going to be sold. I think. What is it? The average, the average book, and I believe this includes traditional and self-publishing. Only the average sells 150 copies or something like that. Those are scary numbers. Uh, on the other hand, if we apply this black belt mindset, one of the most critical characteristics of black belt mindset is perseverance. If you do really believe that your message has resonance and you've done your diligence, to talk about personal responsibility, a lot of people sometimes will, especially if they're new to publishing, self-publishing, they'll kiss off their work to outsourced people, whether it's editors, proofreaders, layout people. That's good. You need the help. But then you have to be the person who, I guess at some point you get kind of alpha male about it, and you've got to uh, make sure that all those people are doing their job properly, and you've got to make sure that that project's coming together in such a way that it's going to stand on the shelf next to any of the traditional publishers. And that's a difficult task. You can't let that responsibility go. Uh, and then beyond that, of course, uh, whether it's traditional publishing or self-publishing, in most genres, uh, the publisher is not going to go out and promote you unless you're promoting yourself, obviously. It's, you've got to take responsibility for that. You've got to go out to market and sell that book and, and build your platform. If you think just because you had a brilliant idea uh, it's going to sell itself, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. With you there, Jim, you gotta you have to be out there promoting it constantly. So, what what you're saying then is whether you're a, um, you're an author or a publisher or you're you know you're doing something else, say you own a flower shop or a, mm-hmm. um, recycling business or something, you need to have a a, bla- a black belt mindset, sort of a philosophy to to succeed in in business, regardless of whether it's books or not. Right, but again, it's just me translating my life as a martial artist and using that as a template, which you know, can be attractive to people because uh, you know a lot of a lot of folks like that idea. Uh, you know, given the choice, if uh, you may not be into punching and kicking, but given the choice, you would aspire to. Most people would aspire to that black belt level in whatever they're doing. I I even go so far as to say uh, you can be a black belt mom. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, certainly. In parenting, you know, you want to strive to, to a degree of excellence so that you can impart that on your children as well. So, yes, it applies across any platform, any business platform that you're doing, any personal life platform. So the characteristics of black belt mindset would serve anybody very, very well. So, Can you give us some examples of, um, like, how you've used the black belt mindset maybe to either either to sell um, your, your book or else um, maybe just to, to get speaking? Uh, mm-hmm. engagements and to promote the book 
Right. Well, sure. You know, like anybody else, uh, you know, I recognized early on that it wasn't going to be an easy, an easy endeavor. You know, yeah. No, that's a good way to say it. It's fairly simple to publish and, and market a book. There are certain steps. There are certain methodologies you go through. However, it's not easy. The same as getting to to a black belt. Getting to black belt is very simple. You learn techniques and you practice them. That's the whole formula. Now, in order to do that continuously, you've got to develop the characteristics I'm talking about. Discipline, focus, self-motivation. You've got to be driven and you've got to persevere through all that. So, yeah, when I started to to get into the publishing business and, and the speaking business, uh, certainly, I saw that you know that was going to be a big change in my life, and it was going to require an awful lot of discipline, an awful lot of focus, and an awful lot of perseverance. I believe it also requires courage, and I'm not patting myself on the back. Anybody that has, anybody that's put something out there artistically, uh, whether it's a book, a piece of music, uh, art, even a good idea in business, you know, to, to put something out there and you don't know how it's going to be accepted and you don't know if it's going to be accepted, that requires what I call artistic courage. It's one of the three types of courage that I that I really teach about, uh, and it's one of the most difficult ones because you're exposing yourself when you when you publish write and publish a book, uh, you're you're exposing yourself to the market, you're exposing yourself to the public, and so it it, it does require some courage, a little bit of thick skin to get it out there, and, and uh, as you wait to to see what the response is going to be, and then of course sometimes you're not going to please everybody, right? So you know some of the, some of that courage has to be brought forward when you're handling your first criticism. And I believe if you've brought it to the market properly, you are going to get some criticism. Jim, your principles sound, in fact, I think you already said that they're really uh, universal in many ways. But I'm wondering, is the application unique to each each individual or each uh, type of book, for example? Exactly. And that's exactly what the martial arts journey is all about, right? Uh, For instance, we could all learn the same basic set of techniques but we're all going to apply them a little bit differently. And even philosophically, you can look at it this way. Uh, sometimes when someone comes to the martial arts, their their major agenda may be self-defense. That's fine. The next person may say, you know, I'm not that worried about self-defense, but I want, a, I want a, a system where I can perfect myself. I believe really that's the most important part of it. And again, it's the same thing. You, you, you lay that template right over the writing process. Again, it requires a lot of discipline just to sit down and, and formulate and write the book, never mind the rest of the journey, which is, I think, 90% of it. Uh, writing the book is, is uh, an adventure in itself, uh, but that's about 10% of the work of really get, developing a, a product, if you will. And I, I sometimes people take offense by that word, uh, but once you decide to, to generate revenue with a book, it, it's a product. And 90% of the work is to, like I said, get it out into the marketplace, develop your platform, and that's certainly going to require what we're talking about with Black Belt Mindset, particularly that that discipline and perseverance part. So now I've got a little bit of a challenge question for you. Sure. Which comes first? I mean, do we need power before we get success, or does power come from our success? Yeah, that's that's a very interesting question. And then first we should probably define the, the two terms. Uh, power, as far as I'm concerned, and in fact, that first book, do you remember the name of it? Something to do with Ben uh, of <laughs> Personal Power. Did you write that down, or did you really remember it? Uh, basically, remembered it. Good job. <laughs> I tried to look it up on your website, but I couldn't find it, so I had to dig go. into my memory. Well, you know, when I'm giving a talk in marketing, usually uh, I'll ask that question about halfway through, and, and a lot of people won't remember it, and they 
look with horror because they, they feel like they should. And I say, no, that's not your fault. That was my fault. Uh, I didn't brand it properly. I didn't give it a memorable brand. Um, but anyway, you know, as, as we were talking about trying to bring, you know, these words together, power and success, in that book I talked about power, and I originally wrote it really as a martial arts technical manual, and it quickly morphed into more of a philosophical look at power. And so that so that I could hopefully translate it for use in, in business in real life. Power is nothing more than your ability or capacity to act or perform effectively. And that's what we're trying to do as martial artists. We're trying to become more effective. We're trying to become more powerful, whether we're applying a technique or making ourselves better people. Uh, success to me, and I, I, I get kind of cocky about this because over time, uh, I've tried to reduce this to its simplest terms, and I can't find exception to it, though I welcome anybody who, who challenges this and, and might be able to find ex- uh, some exceptions to it. That's how we, we grow these definitions. Uh, success is very difficult for most people to define, so we have to reduce it to its absolute core elements. And to me, success is nothing more than a sense of abundance or a feeling of having enough in three areas of your life, material, emotional, and spiritual. When you have a sense of abundance in all three of those areas, uh, then we tend to feel successful. The trick is how much is enough in each area for each person. So it's a very, very individual journey, you see. So developing power and developing success is very, very much up to the, indivi- into the, up to the individual. What's critical, though, I believe that uh, it's very difficult for someone to be happy unless they're in that state of constantly developing power and perfecting themselves. We're not wired to be weak. That doesn't feel good to us. We want to feel powerful, effective. We want to feel as if we're making a difference in the world. And that translates to the success. That that process creates abundance in those areas. But again, you've got to decide how much is enough for each person. If someone sets out to write a book and they say, all I want to do is make this artistic statement, I don't care if more than 100 people read it, uh, and that and that's considered you know that's what they consider enough then fantastic then they're successful just because they produced it if you're trying to make your living at it then that perception of of having enough has to change a little bit that that's really interesting jim to me because um well just that you would you would say that that person's a success if they only sold say 100 books i i meet authors all the time new, newly self-published authors who say oh i'm not really good at the marketing or I'm not mm-hmm. going to give a talk or, well, I have my bookstore at just this one store and they're nice to me. I'm not going to run around and, and try to get in all these other stores. So I, I would right. say those are probably like your white belt or yellow belt authors. How how do you get them to that to that next step? Or is is it is that just an insecurity thing that they need to learn about? You know, um, it, again, you'd have to talk to each person, right, to figure that out. And it's it's interesting. Maybe you, you can tell by now I'm a fairly blunt person, and really I can't drag anybody to black belt. You see, I can't drag my martial arts students to black belt. At some point in that process, they've got to want to go the rest of the way. They've got to want to do the work for themselves, and it's the same thing for folks like you know who, the folks you're talking about that um, maybe have a difficult time finding that self motivation. I'm going to say you have to examine exactly what your goals are. And I'm not here to. I'm, I would never pretend to tell anybody else what their vision of success is. If that person is very happy selling some books through a local bookstore, they're out there. They, they feel uh, their artistry or their message got out into the world in whatever degree that that it happened by chance. Well, then great. Uh, but 
enjoy that. You know what I'm saying? That's pro- probably the, mind, uh, the mindset shift that has to happen. You have to, if, if that's where you want to be, then you have to learn to be satisfied there. Now, if you want to go beyond that, then I'd say, yeah, you've got to strap your black belt on, so to speak. One of my masters used to tell us this. He used to say, the black belt isn't something you wear around your waist. It's something you carve out from inside of you. So if you're really focused on making your living as an author or speaker or, or any other type of business, right, uh, then you, that's when it's important to have that, that goal in mind, the ends in mind. And then you've got to, again, apply those. We're back to the same simple characteristics we're talking about over and over. The discipline, the focus, and the self-motivation, uh, perseverance to get where you want to go. And it, it, it really, really, really is that simple. But I can't help anybody unless they're willing to make that decision, unless they're willing to make that choice, if that makes sense. Once they are, then I can help, or you can help them. Any, you know, Then you can access the resources around you. And there are plenty of great resources, like your website, uh, for folks that want, want to get into this business. Well, I can, uh, I can really see just the, how the whole um, concept of thinking like a black belt could be very beneficial. And I, I, I'm sitting here envisioning myself uh, writing my books and, and uh, envisioning myself wearing my, my uh, karate uniform with my black belt or going to go. stores trying to sell my books and wearing that uniform and how it would like give me a sense of, of power or confidence. Mm-hmm. So and, and and that kind of a visualization thing is pretty common with positive thinking. So uh, it, would you say thinking like a black belt is like another form of positive thinking? That's where I I become kind of contrary. It's <laughs> positive thinking is wonderful. I I I practice many many different methodologies for positive thinking from meditation to affirmations to vision boards and and all of this but i really have a hard time with people looking at the positive thought as the end of the process it's just the beginning of it you can sit and think positively it doesn't guarantee that anything's going to happen you've got to translate to to be powerful as you just said you got to translate that thought into action so certainly you know some sort of positive thinking practice is valuable i don't know that that's what i really gave people in think like a black belt or or even the first book uh, because I know how hard things can be. I believe that life is tough, and it, it leads me to one of my favorite books. I just recommended on another show today. Uh, someone asked me, would you recommend one book for somebody for personal development uh, besides your own? <laughs> I said, of course, I said, Zorba the Greek. And I, that wonderful, iconic line from Zorba the Greek where he says, you know, enjoy life, the full catastrophe, Right. And in business, it's even more poignant because in business, we're measuring that full catastrophe all the time. And to be able to embrace that process, to, to go out and enjoy enjoy the process, even with the warts and the difficulties and the challenges, that's really critical to success. Uh, positive thinking is what helps us when the going gets tough, right? But we all have moments of uh, doubt and pain as well. And uh, a, a new friend of mine, Eric Wilson, who wrote a wonderful book called Against Happiness, uh, we met, uh, actually, we were supposed to debate on the BBC Worldview program. And I was supposed to be the happy motivational guy. They obviously hadn't done their homework. And <laughs> Eric was supposed to present the dark side of things. Right away, within within minutes, we realized that we were kindred spirits, that we were really singing in harmony. And here's why. We both recognized that in any kind of uh, artistic process, if you will, you're creating something, whether it's a business idea, a book, a song, 
sometimes that that melancholy tone when we're in a period of depression or we're facing a challenge can be very very stimulating to the mind and to the creative process and eric's done a, he's he's uh, an academic in that world so he's done a lot of research in that area uh on the other hand sometimes with positive thinking people get very pollyannish about the whole thing and it leads us culturally to a point and i think it's a dangerous point that we see from time to time where people may think that's the whole end of it if i think positively everything's great's going to happen and something's wrong with me if i'm feeling negative at any particular time and it's just not the case you know borrowing from from the martial arts philosophy the the asian philosophies that i like to 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 borrow from so heavily uh it's a matter of looking at life in cycles there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs uh generally you want things to bend a little bit more towards the positive and when when that's happening uh generally i think we're we're, we're pretty happy so Accepting those challenges, do, do what Zorba said, uh, enjoy life in the full catastrophe. And that's really one of the keys. Uh, to you know, We've got to enjoy the blood, sweat, and tears along the way. Jim, with all of these uh, martial arts analogies, I, I have to ask the question. When you develop a black belt mindset, or in your case, black belt skills, does that mean that we no longer have any fear? Gee, I don't think so. <laughs> It hasn't happened to me yet, anyway. I mean, yeah, fear's a natural part of life. Again, back to that that idea of the full catastrophe. Uh, fear is, and fear is not only just a natural part of life. I mean, it's it's a it's a blessing. Uh, think about it. Fear is what keeps us out of trouble most of the time. The problem is we don't want fear to become irrational, so that we're acting simply, you know, simply out of some sense of avoiding whatever we're scared of. Uh, sometimes it's sensible to avoid what we're scared of, but other times we need to plow through it. And that brings us to one of the, I, I think, one of the greatest um, characteristics of black belt mindset, which is courage. And I, I developed that idea under the, under the umbrella of leadership. Uh, I believe once we, once we develop this power, once we develop this capacity to, to act effectively, the only way we're going to expand it and the only way it, it brings benefit to the world is if we share it. And to me, leadership is the ultimate expression of sharing. So when you get to that point where um you know there there's there's fear uh there's there's doubt uh these are things that can keep us from success the three characteristics of leadership that I talk about are wisdom compassion and courage courage being that I think what we usually think about in overcoming fear although we should bring confidence into that as well but if we look at courage courage is not the absence of fear courage is your ability to do the job even when you are scared, even when you're facing some great challenge or some fear. Uh, and that can only be developed. Here's here's the funny thing, because people are always asking me, well, then, how do I do it? You know, if I read your book, will that tell me how to do it? Uh, no. If you read my book, what it's going to say, it's going to offer you encouragement. It's going to say, um, you know, the way to develop courage and confidence is to face those challenges. Start with little ones, something you know you can overcome, something you know you can face and succeed with. Start there and then continually build your capacity to face ever-increasing challenges. That's the only way to develop courage and confidence. I, I, don't, I don't believe there's a meaningful shortcut. On the other side of the equation, because uh, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier also, how important is gratitude to the black belt mindset? It's, it's huge. As far as I'm concerned, it's an essential part of, of human life. Uh, it is something again culturally we we've got some we've got some issues with some of these characteristics uh values if you will a lot of people feel we've lost some of these and gratitude is certainly one that a lot of people feel we've lost 
I don't believe we lost it. It may be on life support, and we've got to restore it. Now, again, because I'm not the nicey-nicey motivational guy, to me, gratitude isn't, and I don't, I don't mean to make this silly rhyme, it's just the way it is. Gratitude is not a platitude. Gratitude is a very practical process, and, and what it is, it's an inventory. Now, I learned this, you know, you, you gave my glowing resume, um, a two-time college dropout a drug abuser, which makes a great resume for a writer, right? <laughs> but at any rate, uh, I learned how to do this at one of the worst moments in my life. I was living in, in authentic poverty, living in a trailer in the, in the cold of winter in Maine, if you can imagine, and literally uh, spending money on, on drugs and other things that I probably shouldn't have been spending money on, and not spending money on putting oil in my furnace. So I would wake up many mornings and literally have to chip the ice off my toilet to do my business. Now, when you get to a position like that, again, authentic poverty, self-imposed in my case, but poverty nonetheless, uh, that, that's a real wake-up call. That's that's when you look in that mirror and you, 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 know, you look at yourself cold and you say, what am I going to do from here? The problem is, if you're focused on what you don't have, you're not going to do anything from there. You're either going to wallow in your misery or you're going to continue to spiral downward until eventually someone else has to take care of you or you lose your life. Uh, at some point, you have to take a look around and say, you know what, I've got something to work with. It may be nothing more than my innate talents and abilities. And the way to make yourself aware of that is gratitude. So I learned how to just, and my process is very simple. I still do it every day. I just look around and I start saying, thank you. That's it. That's simple. Now, it can be prayer for people. That's fine. It can be a meditation. That's fine as well, whatever device works. Uh, but really, I take a look at the material resources I have, uh, and the home that I'm living in, the people who are around me, my emotional and spiritual resources as well, my talents, my abilities, the characteristics that I've developed. And I, I'm not trying to analyze them. I'm just taking a look at it, and I'm saying, you know what? Thank you. Just, just thank you for where I am right now and what I have. And that process is very powerful because as soon as you do that, you're focused on what you do have rather than what you're lacking. And no matter how scarce those resources are, what you have is what you're going to work with going forward to take that next step. So that that's critical to understand that. Uh, Jim, if I could just um, maybe ask you a little bit of a personal question. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit about how you first became interested in the in the black belt philosophy, like where were you at that point in your life, and uh, how did you how did you become introduced into it? And why did you go about embracing it? You know, it's funny, isn't it, that, that there's currents and eddies that sometimes lead you to something that you may not have been thinking about before. Uh, my brother was a martial artist and a boxer as well, and he certainly encouraged me. And there, when I came to it, finally, was it another low point in my life? And again, uh, you know, as we just touched upon. Sometimes those low points can, if, if you access it, it can give you energy to change, to make a really meaningful change. Uh, I'm going to have a little cautionary tale here, though, too. Don't always expect some kind of lightning bolt or, or fireworks to go off when you realize that you're turning your life around. Sometimes those steps are very, very subtle, and sometimes you're just finding your, your own true inner nature, and it takes time. It, take, it takes some years for most people. It's only when you look back and you say, okay, that's the moment where you know, things turned. And for me, it was, uh, again, a time when I was living in not as bad a poverty as I was when I was abusing drugs, but pretty close, and was struggling with a job that I didn't care for. I, I should have. It was actually a very good job at the time. 
a girlfriend had left, a band was breaking up, everything that can you know that I could imagine going wrong. And and I took a walk up uh, Congress Street in Portland, Maine, and there was a big giant sign hanging off the side of a building that said karate. <laughs> so I walked up the the stairs. Now my biggest challenge at that point up to that point in my life was really that I had no sense of self-value or self-worth and that's really what I needed to work on that's why my brother said was was pointing me towards martial arts he said I think that'll help you with with those with those things well I walked up the stairs I saw these two people working out I was in awe I turned around and walked back down the stairs and thank goodness my instructor must have needed some students because he chased me down the stairs set me up with an introductory program and that's that's where it all started from there so back to um to book marketing a little bit. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious yeah. about how well like why did you decide to write a book specifically with with this with this title and how did writing that book did it enhance your philosophy philosophy at all? Uh, has yeah. has the book yeah. um changed you, I guess. Right, and you know what in probably to finish answering the you know the previous question is is the philosophy attracted me to the martial arts more than the physical part. I knew that there was I knew that the philosophy contained a process for developing yourself to develop self-confidence to develop this courage to develop all the traits that we've been talking about. So that really was the impetus to to get involved. And the more I learned about it and studying various martial arts systems and various uh philosophical uh perspectives from from the Asian perspective obviously because of the the connection with the with the martial arts I was studying but then that led me to study other philosophies as well and I found common themes throughout the the, the whole process now after some years after I'd been teaching some years uh naturally on the floor I was just spouting these things off and a lot of it I I was just giving people what I call fortune cookies you know little bits and pieces of this this philosophy and information to help them along and encourage them and a lot of my students were saying hey we're using that stuff in our real lives too, especially the entrepreneurs, the business people. So at some point, I guess, I, I decided I wanted to try to, to share that knowledge beyond the, the dojo, beyond the limitations of our training hall. I said, this message resonates with folks whether they want to punch or kick or, or do the martial arts or not. Uh, and that's where Think Like a Black Belt came from. So um, it was an attempt to translate those philosophies and my love of those philosophies out to the real world. And it, and it really is a street-level look at that. I'm not an academic. As I said, I dropped out of college two times. This, this is a practical approach that I think anybody could apply. Jim, I, for us to perfect the black belt mindset, uh, is the perfection a destination or is it a process? One of the greatest gifts the martial arts gave me was this formation of what a fortune cookie, like I just referred to these little bits of philosophy as, here it is. It's perfection is not a destination. It's a never-ending process, and enjoy it. We're never fully perfect. In martial arts, we have these little dances we call the katas or, or forms, and different systems will call them by different names, but they're choreographed set of movements. You could be doing that kata for 20, 30, 40 years, and still someone will come along and say, hey, you know, you, could, you should tuck your elbow in a little bit here. You should extend your strike here. You should deepen your stance there. And we accept that because as martial artists, this process is never done. Now, really, that's reflective of what we call beginner's mind. And think about this, applying it to, to the craft of writing or publishing or marketing. Uh, we're, never, we're never quite finished. If we're finished, then you're going to stagnate, and then people are just going to move beyond you. Uh, if you engage that process of perfection and as, as a process, not as a destination, right, 
not as a stopping point, but as just something we do all the time, uh, then it becomes a living and dynamic process that you can access at any time. So if you're taking one small step at any given moment to make your form a little better, to make your book a little better, to make your marketing a little better, you are engaged in a moment of perfection. And really that's what it's all about. So I'd have to say that little bit of philosophy is really, it's the one that I access every day, certainly. It's the one that transformed what I was doing. Jim, I'm an author of uh, Complementary Alternative Medicine, so I've got to ask this question. Can we increase our power using our body, mind, and spirit together? Uh, but together, yes, exactly right. That's where power comes from, nourishing the body, mind, and spirit. If we don't nourish those areas, then we're not going to be able to generate or feel a sense of power. However, we can, Im- we can imprint that on a lot of different levels. And I think one of the things, it's interesting that you work in alternative uh, healing and medicine there because... Uh, too many people, I think, confuse the healing with a, with a cure, with an absolute cure. And to me, if you can guide somebody to live a life with a little bit more power, then they may have a higher quality of life in whatever time they have left or with whatever condition they're dealing with. And I think that's critically important. So uh, one of the martial arts paradigms that might help with that is if we're going to measure ourselves as becoming more powerful, measure only against yourself not against someone else. As soon as we measure against other people, we're going to find half the people are worse off and half the people are better off. <laughs> that was another good piece of advice from one of my old masters. Okay, well, we're we're just about out of uh, time, Jim. So um, before we go, can you tell us, um, why don't you give us both of your book titles again and then uh, your website address? Oh, sure. It's uh, Think Like a Black Belt is the one that's out currently. And Dynamic Components of Personal Power was my first book. And I know we talked an awful lot about the philosophy behind it, and I hope that's useful to everyone. But honestly, I know we were going to talk about the media piece of it. I would encourage everybody that's trying to market a book to go out there and and embrace embrace making yourself famous to whatever degree that that takes shape. Call your local radio stations. Contribute articles to... Uh, to the newspapers, get on the blogs and get on, and not just blog yourself, but answer questions that other people have on other blogs and streams and social networks. Use all those avenues you have to to create, you know, to be the, to become the resource for your expertise. I suppose is the best way to say it. And yeah, if you'd like to get my books or access me in any way, or you know, ask any questions or share some knowledge with me, thinklikeablackbelt.org is the best way to get in touch with me. Okay, great. I'm sure we'll have lots of people who will check out your website. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, really appreciate the call. Thank you. You've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, all about writing nonfiction, getting your readers' attention, with our special guest, Diana Robb. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And filling in for Irene Watson at Reader Views, this is Tyler Tischler in Marquette, Michigan. And I'm Alan Smith, sitting in for Victor Volkman of Loving Healing Press, wishing you all a good evening. <laughs>